I'm escaping to the one place that hasn't been corrupted by capitalism. The Wrestling Life. Hey everybody, it's The Wrestling Life. It's episode 273. It is July 22nd or 23rd of 2021. I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. Liam. We have so much to talk about this week. We really, really do. And as always, so many things we can't talk about on the first and the only wrestling podcast. Well, everyone's talking about CM Punk and Daniel Bryan. What year is this? Huh, yeah. So, uh, we've gone to a time machine. And you'd think we would have picked a better year than 2014 to go back to, but apparently that's what we did. So lot of, there's one report from bodyslam.net <laughs> mm-hmm. who they could not uh, shell out for a .com domain name, but they believe that they have the scoop on Daniel Bryan signing with AEW and perhaps debuting in August at the Arthur Ashe Stadium show. That seems like it would be significant. And Fightful reported this week that CM Punk is talking with AEW about coming back to wrestle. Which of these is a bigger deal? Which of these do you care more about? Is either of these things a big deal? Do you care about either one? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think they'd both be pretty, pretty wild. Um, I care personally more about uh, Daniel Bryan um, because he was and theoretically still is my favorite wrestler. And I haven't been excited for a Daniel Bryan match in a really long time or Bryan Danielson, I guess it would be um, in a really, really long time, I guess since the Kofi match, which was two years ago. And, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. It was really exciting when he came back and the, he has not done much in WWE. I wouldn't begrudge the guy for staying. You know, he made a lot of money there, met his wife there. Um, but the idea of a more excited and motivated uh, Brian Danielson, who has still been an active wrestler for the last few years, uh, I think that is more exciting to me. Uh, than CM Punk coming back. Not that I wouldn't be interested in seeing what's what a CM Punk comeback would look like. Um, whether how often he'd be around if he did come back, what kind of what kind of ring shape he'd be in. Like there's there is not. I wouldn't say I'm not interested in the Punk comeback, uh, but I think I more am probably more personally invested. In a, in a Brian Danielson non-WWE run. Um, as far as a bigger deal, uh, I mean, it's kind of a toss-up. Punk, Punk was a bigger star when more people were watching the show. But Brian had headlined WrestleMania twice, which Punk did not. So, like, that feels like maybe more of a toss-up to me. But, I, I mean, I, I would think Punk would be a bigger deal as far as like internet, like Google searches and stuff, just because he's been away longer. Uh, what, do, what do you think? Yeah. Yes. I believe CM Punk could be a bigger deal. Uh, we're kind of splitting hairs here though, because they're both stars to the wrestling audience. And aside from a brief moment where the yes chant was over at sporting events and another brief moment where CM Punk was like on the Jimmy Fallon show once mm-hmm. like neither is a particularly big deal to the larger uh, pop culture audience. Brian, maybe more so actually because of um, the being on all those e-reality shows for so many years now. I don't know. I don't think either one is going to like turn AEW into a billion dollar a year company. Let's put it that way. But I'm all for if these guys want to make a lot of money 
and in Brian's case, work in Mexico and Japan and not have Devon Dudley and Chris Abyss telling you how to wrestle or, you know, 76-year-old Vince telling you how to wrestle. Okay. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that would be the 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 idea of a creatively inspired Brian Danielson sounds cool, <laughs> and that's not something we have seen in. I mean, he he did those interviews right before Mania, where he is about to be in the main event of the first show, not just the WrestleMania, but the first show in front of fans that he had gotten to wrestle in in over a year at that point, and he's like, "Yeah, I didn't I didn't really want to be here." Um, and I didn't, I don't, I don't know that I like wrestling anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's a bold stance to take, but I can understand how giant corporate wrestling could beat that out of you. And here's the other thing. He's a crazy man. And his last, I guess, television match in WWE before the end of his, before he was forced to retire he built a match around taking bumps on his head, even though he had a severe uh, concussion uh, just a couple of months. I think he wants to do moves where you can uh, suplex your opponents and land on their land on their get dropped on your head. And uh, he just wants to work a physical style. And that's God bless him. But he's also a crazy man. Yeah, I mean, there's this, he sort of, when he came back, tried to do that style, but by, like, he tried to bump on his shoulder, like, high up on his shoulder instead of his his head. (laughs) But that's not, you know, dramatically safer and can still go wrong pretty easily. So, yeah, it's, yeah, I think that's part of it. He wants to wrestle his way and wrestle in places that he hasn't gotten to go, or at least hasn't gotten to go very often and wrestle certain people that he was probably not ever going to have a chance to wrestle. If he stayed in WWE, I know there was talk. I think both Moxley and Brody Lee said that triple H told them that he'd get them into new Japan. If they resigned, I don't think that's, I mean, I'm sure he told them that I don't think that was going to happen. So, (laughs) um, yeah, I don't, I don't. So I think it's, yeah, if, if that's what you want to do, if you want to wrestle in Arena Mexico, if you want to maybe wrestle in the Tokyo Dome or, or, or whatever, that's, that's not going to happen for you if you stay in WWE, despite there being, you know, other fringe benefits of, you know, maybe, uh, you know, not having to worry about merchandising and, and things like that. That stuff's all taken care of. And, and, you know, the pay be, be maybe being a little bit of an easier schedule for you. But, uh, yeah, it's, that's that's the news that's the big explosive news and like there's no denying that either one of these guys showing up whether brian shows up at the arthur ash stadium show if they get punk in time they have three shows in chicago over like a week uh you know over labor day week there so that would seem the time to bring him in if they were going to but we'll 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 see brian seems significantly more likely to me um than punk because there's also and i i've seen a couple people mention this but maybe i don't know if people realize like cole cabana sued cm punk yes this is not just a falling out falling out between friends there was there was litigation involved (laughs) and cole cabana is very good friends with the bucks and kenny Uh, i'm not saying that he would block punk or would have the stroke to block punk if he tried but like that is that is a wrinkle to this that i think is maybe not being talked about enough my take on that is if there is money to be made i think a lot of principled people in the wrestling business aren't principled anymore (laughs) i mean he punk did take a gig working for Rupert Murdoch's Fox Fox Sports Network. Right. Talking about WWE. Like the company that fired him on his wedding day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like 
like it's it's all fun to fun and games to to say i don't want i don't want any of your saudi blood money but you'll work for Rupert Murdoch and like whatever. A lot of people's principles go out the window when there's a large check handed to them. And I don't have, you know, I, I understand that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I also don't think punk and cabana. I mean, good Lord. Cole cabana is guy number six in the dark order and a fifth string announcer. Like, is it that big of a deal if, <laughs> and I know he's friends with all those guys, he's friends with Tony Khan and blah, 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 blah. And Punk is, seems like more of a mercenary at this point where, you know, he told Rene Paquette that it would take like an, an obscene amount of money for, for him to return to wrestling. So I don't know. I don't know. Does the guy even like wrestling anymore? Like, that's the thing. I don't know. I don't know how, you know, it's he walked away from a lot of money and immediately signed with UFC and made a lot of money there, (laughs) but then got sued for a lot of money. Um, Yes. And so I'm not not to say that his his piggy bank is uh, is unlimited there, but. Yeah, like I, I don't, as far as like his love for the business, I mean, I remember him talking about that at the time of, you know, when he was sort of the beginning stages of trying to negotiate his release, uh, you know, WWE was, was, was telling Punk's lawyer, oh, we know your client's trying to get out of his contract so he can go to TNA, which LOL, <laughs> but, and, and Punk and his lawyer's response was my client hates wrestling. He doesn't want anything to do with wrestling. Right. Um, now, obviously, wrestling is a lot different than it was seven years ago. But yeah, it seemed like he was near the top for a few years and had put in a lot of, you know, had put in a lot of time, you know, had filled up his bump card um, quite a bit yeah. and seemed like, I mean, I feel like the, the scuttlebutt at the time before he walked out, obviously that made it more dramatic, but like, People thought he was gone that summer either way. Like if, if memory serves, like people were pretty sure he was out the door anyway. So I, I don't know. I, I, again, yeah, maybe it's, maybe it is just, Hey, I've been sued a couple times and I have a certain lifestyle that I want to upkeep. And so if I go, I sign here, I make money, I make, you know, maybe my merch sales go up to, and that's worth it alone for him. Maybe there has been a spark reignited. I don't know. It's it's really hard to say. He's a very weird dude. And yes, it's it's hard to psychoanalyze a guy like that. And he's so he was such an insanely cool wrestler, though, that people want him to be more than just a super cool wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, no, he was. He was a super cool wrestler, and every single wrestler except Steve Austin has come back and done a match mm-hmm. <laughs> after the, after they retired. So, of course, I don't begrudge the guy doing whatever he wants. God bless him. I do want to talk about this from AEW's point of view for a second. It's like good for the guys to for getting paid. Um, the last thing AEW needs is two more guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying that the show is overcrowded, but I think it would be, I think you have to kick the tires on those guys. Like, I don't, uh, and again, I understand what you're saying that maybe they don't make that much of a difference to you in this go around, but that's two more, you know, big T or former, you know, top stars that you have when you're trying to negotiate your next TV deal. Like, I don't think it's a negative value for AEW to look at them. Oh, I'm not saying don't look at them. I'm just saying at some point here, we need to uh, build for the future and we need to get private party back on dynamite and we need to get, uh, why did they sign Christian? Christian's hanging out backstage with the Jurassic Express. <laughs> and that's pretty much all he does. Like, I just, I 
I think they spend like a um, like a drunken sailor on shore leave, as the very very old expression goes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's as though they have no idea when people's contracts are coming due and they just sign whoever's available at the time without any forward thinking or planning or like now who could who could plan for getting CM Punk I mean they've been after him for three years at this point right Uh, but also I just I I don't know that if I were building a wrestling company for the future, I'd want two more 40 plus guys, but obviously they feel differently and maybe they're right and I'm wrong. And they did a very big rating this week. So for them, they did like 1.1 million viewers and mm-hmm. um, their best number in the, in the demo of the year, I think. So clearly there's interest <laughs> there and, uh, they're doing well, so God bless them. I just, I don't know that two more guys is what, two more 40 plus guys is what they need, but here we are. Yeah, I mean, utilization is key there. Like, I don't, to your point, Christian and Matt Hardy are on this show. You have at least surrounded Hardy as, like, he's like a player coach manager who right. has some younger, has private party and butcher and blade and, 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 uh, I think TH2 is in that group now. It's hard to tell. Um, yeah, there's some, there's a couple ancillary people, I think, besides TH2 also. But yes. Uh, so like you're you're okay, you're kind of using Hardy in a in a in a role where he's he's the star, but he's bringing these other guys along to get exposure with him. Theoretically, you can follow the logic on that. But yeah, to your point, in retrospect, does Christian need to be there um, again. A name happy for him <laughs> right um but it, almost like the day he was signed everyone was like well <laughs> i guess you can do a tv match with him and kenny or something like nobody was going oh my god like and, and i and again i appreciate a guy wanting to come back and wrestle on his terms and for looking which way the wind was blowing and perhaps how he had been booked in in wwe and going nope not gonna finish my career there um, I mean, I'm sure he'll be back for a rumble or something someday there, but yeah, I, I don't, uh, I don't begrudge Christian for basically what you were just saying. I don't begrudge <laughs> Christian for, for signing. And it was, it's nice that he's there, <laughs> but right, right. And I don't know if he is working as an agent or anything, but that's probably a higher priced agent when you already have Arn and, Malenko and Serena Deeb and Dustin and whoever else you have back there who's already kind of doing that player coach role. Um, and yeah, maybe, and again, maybe that's something that at least Danielson would maybe look at doing as well as, you know, as agenting stuff as well as working on it. And then, and then there's guys like Mark Henry and Paul White who you look at, okay, Mark Henry has a pretty good recruiting record. And Paul yes. White has advantages as far as like media appearances and charities. So those kind of make sense to me. And they're not to, you know, neither of them are featured regular characters on, on the main show. Right. But yeah. So, so you are left with a lot of guys and you're a lot of parts there, not to mention you also have Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows <laughs> and guys from new Japan and guys from impact on this show and people from the NWA and like all this stuff, like you got a lot of people that you signed and then you also have, you're also bringing in a lot of outside talent as well. And that's, that's the part where I'm like, okay, like let's, when Kenny loses the belt, can this be the end of Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows and really any, like this belt collector thing, like it's, one, it's very underdeveloped as a story, frankly. We know that Kenny Omega likes collecting belts. And he says he's a belt collector. And that's <laughs> that's not like a personality trait or um yeah. I don't think I don't feel like that's uh fleshed out very well. 
Yeah. I, and, and again, maybe they thought things were opening up and they would get to do a, <laughs> if the ultimate payoff to this was supposed to be like him and Ibushi or something. Right. Um, and that changed, but yeah, to your point, it's like, well, now he's, I would assume and think he should lose the AEW title to, uh, to hangman. So then he's, he's still got the TNA belt and the, the triple a belts, but like, what are, what are we doing with that? Like, who right. cares about those? Like, really? I, I nitpick the hell out of AEW because a, I think, I think they could be, this is supposed to be Nirvana for wrestling nerds. And it is a significantly more logical product than WWE produces every week. I just think it could be so much better. That's mm-hmm. w- one prong of my criticism of AEW. Another prong of my nitpicking of AEW is uh, screw them. They deserve it. They have Justin Roberts working there. Sure. And a third prong to it is um, I can't remember what the third prong was. <laughs> but, okay. Uh, let's see. Really, the just the fact that Doc Ellis and Carl Anderson, we've seen singles matches from them in successive weeks on AEW Dynamite, and and why why the obsession with AJ Styles, WWE pals, his job guys? These were jobbers on WWE TV for like four and a half years what the obsession with them is quite frankly baffling i mean so i'm not just to be clear not defending that at all because i don't like them but (laughs) (laughs) on a personal level i do not like those guys but um although i do think it's really funny that every time carl anderson cheats on his wife he puts up a new shirt about how hot she is that's pretty that's a good gimmick i think it's funny um (sighs) Allegedly, everything I just said. Um, Look, man, he's gone to BTE twice and said that he loves cheating. And once he said, we need to incorporate cheating into every aspect of our life. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'm entertained by those guys in their shtick. And sometimes I find them to be pretty despicable human beings. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> I my point that I was going to make was uh, I don't hold bad booking against people. And if you and if you were someone who thought, well, Gallows and Ishin were this great tag team, and then they were poorly used in a company, that's not their fault, and that shouldn't prevent them from being pushed in other companies. That being said, you have a lot of talented tag teams that you don't necessarily already have time to feature on your show that are signed to your company that these guys are taking tag at time away from just that's how it works if they're on the show somebody else isn't right and and i'm i'm a big proponent that not everybody needs to be on every show and that's fine but these guys are on every show and they're wrestling on more uh, on a lot of shows i think luke gallows has wrestled on dynamite more this year than like most of the women's roster by far um and that to me much less it's like not only are you focusing on guys who maybe aren't that great especially not necessarily in an in-ring standpoint and this is theoretically this is the the work rate company but you're also they also don't even work for you (laughs) like they're signed somewhere else and they're on loan to you and they're and it's part of a a a bullet club reunion storyline but i like i don't and i understand the bullet club is the nucleus that you know, created the elite, created being the elite, created in in a long term form, created the company. But like, it's like not only are these guys not very good in the ring, but they're also on TV all the time. If they were just henchmen who were <laughs> at ringside during Kenny Omega's matches, I would still roll my eyes at it a lot. And if they were, but they're wrestling, they're wrestling multiple segment matches all the time on these shows and that's the stuff that that sticks in my craw so that aside 
Aside from that, how's the play, Mrs. Lincoln? Uh, <laughs> AEW Dynamite this week, or as Jim Ross calls it, AE Dynamite. Jim had himself a rough week at the broadcast booth. Yeah, he. Uh, uh, my favorite part, as uh, we were discussing off the air, was him uh, was him referring to John Moxley's finish, which is a double arm DDT, as that soup that double arm suplex. Well, there you go. That's. 2021 Jim Ross, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Although it was kind of cute when he when you could hear him audibly getting an erection when he noticed how tall Hikaleo is. Yes. He definitely has a size bias. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Uh if Hikaleo Hikale- play football anywhere, that's gonna that's gonna just really it's gonna make him even harder. I was gonna say if he played college hoops or something, look out. <laughs> He might have actually at like University of Central Florida or something. <laughs> well, there you go. That's, I'm sure Jim will let us know if that's the case. That's true. So uh, Dynamite in general, how did you feel that uh, program was this week with John Moxley losing the IWGP US title to Lance Archer <laughs> in a bloody death match in the main event? Uh, that I liked that match. Uh, to me, it felt like Moxley heard that Nick Gage was going to do a death match on the show next week and said, he ain't going to do anything crazier than I'm about to do. And so they went out there with forks and chairs and barbed wires and just bled all over each other and did a bunch of crazy stunts. So, uh, yeah, I liked the main event a lot. Uh, the rest of the show, um trying to think of other <laughs> things i liked on the show i didn't there wasn't a ton on this show that i like really hated but there wasn't a lot of, that i liked i didn't really enjoy the women's match i didn't i like chavo guerrero is andrade's new manager which i mean what are we doing man it's my it's mildly racist i feel <laughs> you could have you can only pair Latino people with Latino people in this company. Specifically Guerreros, apparently. <laughs> yeah. But like, uh I I don't begrudge Chavo getting a paycheck, but nah. list of people that I would have cut promos for Andrade, Chavo Guerrero would not make the list. No, and like I and I guess Abramantes is with Pentagon and Phoenix, but it's like yeah just have an interpreter let him cut good promos in spanish and then if you need an interpreter like if you're doing it if you have to do a promo in front of a crowd and you don't and you're not confident in his english or he's not confident in his english then have an interpreter there like it's like real sports do that all the time it's not it i don't think it would be out of place in wrestling to do that and but i don't know that's that's not what they want to do so chavo guerrero is going to cut promos for for Andrade, um, this is a this is a, speaking of nitpicks. Uh, Frank Kazarian, your good friend. I don't want to disparage yes. your your pal. He he might message you out of nowhere if you do. Yeah, um, but I just want to say, uh, God bless him. His hair looks great. Yeah. Um, but this thing where every time he is on TV, they don't just call him Kazarian; they don't call him Frankie Kazarian. At all times, he must be referred to as the elite hunter, Frankie Kazarian. Yes. It's the most WWE-ass thing. It's the artist known as Shinsuke Nakamura. It's the outlandish Rich Swan. <laughs> it's, you know, every single time. Almost a superhero. Yes, it is. <laughs> every single time he is on television, while he's wrestling in a match, they can't. They have to constantly refer to him as the elite hunter, Frankie Kazarian. And it drives me up a damn wall. And also he'd lost to Luke Gallows. So that was that was really not a great segment for me. For that, was the, that was the real baffling part of, the, of that match to me. Is Why the hell is Luke Gallows beating Frankie Kazarian? Yeah, like, like what that this is. I was trying to think, which is lamer? Was it is it the elite hunter Frankie Kazarian who does a couple of backstage or like, you know, run ins and then loses to the first elite member he wrestles? Or when Yoshitatsu had the Bullet Club Hunter team, that was just him <laughs> and Billy Gunn, and they and they lost to Bone Soldier in the opener of every New Japan show for a year. That's a good question. Yeah, not sure about that. Britt Baker, the Hunter. 
Yeah, Britt Baker kept the women's title in her first defense. She's a baby face. She's a gigantic baby face. She's getting more over as a baby face every week, but they haven't turned a baby face yet. Yeah, just do it. Like, it's fine. Um, I don't, it doesn't even seem like you really need to change the character at all um, because people love her as she is. Yes. So just, just make her the baby face. And, I like the idea. Maybe you could look at it at their roster uh, and go, well, they have a lot more baby face women. Well, then turn them heel <laughs> because most of them aren't going to get cheered against Brit anyway. So turn Serena Deep heel, turn Sheeta heel, turn whoever you got, Statlander, whoever you got heel and and feed them to her. Like that's you do. And as you pointed out to me, they do one women's program on Dynamite at a time. So, like, you can stretch that out over, like, six months. Like, it's not like you can turn them all within sequential weeks of each other. That's that's accurate, yeah. Um, Thunder Rosa signed, by the way. They finally signed Thunder Rosa away from uh, the Smashing Pumpkins guy. <laughs> so, congratulations to them. Congratulations to her. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 hope, I hope they finally decide to follow up on the most obvious thing that they should have been doing with Britt since she won the title and even before which is to point out that i don't know if like and based on how AEW has portrayed that that hardcore match uh you may not you may have uh, honestly forgotten that thunder rosa not only was in that match but won it <laughs> and so the most obvious thing to do from that week on should have been to have thunder rosa constantly on television pointing out that she beat Britt Baker when Britt was named number one contender, point out, hey, I beat the number one contender. I should be getting that shot. And then Britt wins the belt from Sheeta. And then you have Rosa. I would have had Rosa come out that night <laughs> or at, at the latest, the following Dynamite to be like, okay, I beat you. And you have Britt, especially if you're trying to keep her heel, go, well, that match didn't count. That match didn't count. It was unsanctioned. Right. And so she runs away from Rosa for a month or whatever. And Rosa has to beat whoever and get up, get up in the rankings to get her shot. And you build to that. It's like the easiest and most obvious story. And maybe Rosa not officially being signed played into their hesitance with this. Obviously there was like that time earlier last year where people thought she was a free agent and was going to go to WWE. So maybe they were gun shy about do like building around her until they knew for sure she was signed. I don't know, but also then maybe don't have her win that match. Uh, that would be the other option would be not to book that match or to not have her win that match <laughs> or, you know, there's a lot of things you could have done because again, this is fake. It's all fake. You can do whatever you want. Yes. You just have to care. Yes. Speaking of not caring, WWE is back in front of crowds. They had their first th- three shows with fans back officially this past weekend it's going great they had john cena came back at money in the bank he's gonna wrestle roman reigns at SummerSlam. uh and your money in the bank winners are biggie and nikki almost a superhero ash who has since cashed in and become raw women's champion so a lot, they're telling some stories over there, but they're also still doing a lot of repetitive booking and a lot of nonsense on WWE programs. And Becky Lynch still hasn't come back yet. And so I just, at the end of every WWE television show, I'm sitting there in my living room, in my The Man t-shirt, just weeping. <laughs> Feeling like an idiot. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice to feel like they cared about about their women's division again. And they only care if there's a star, much like their tag division. Um, I mean, look, it's still a step up from where women were, say, in 2014 on WWE programming. But it does feel a lot like the tag division where unless you have a main eventer in that division, they don't really care too much about what's going on there. So, um, yeah, I thought Money in the Bank show was was pretty solid. Um, a lot of heels winning, which was funny. Yes. Um, heel wins the opener, heel wins the main event. <laughs> yep. Uh, I maybe would have structured the show slightly different. I guess you had Cena coming back 
So him and Reigns needed to close that show. That's that's a fair enough point, and he did get a massive reaction. Um, so that was that was that was cool. That was fun. Um, Money in the Bank match was was uh, the men's match. I thought was was you know it was a, a stunt show ladder match. Um, probably won't remember a lot from it in in three months. But hey, Big E, they picked a guy. <laughs> Right. who was not a top guy and theoretically can now make him a top guy. And that is exciting. Yes, I agree. And Mick Foley went to Twitter to helpfully point out that Nikki Cross is not as attractive <laughs> or athletic as a lot of other women. And yet she has succeeded in life by becoming the Raw Women's <laughs> Champion. I know I, he was trying he to liken well. it. He was trying, <laughs> he was like paraphrasing Michael Cole's call the night mankind won the title. Right. So like, I, yeah, he, he was trying to be nice and supportive, yes. but also it's just like that promo. They had Nikki cut like two weeks before she became the superhero where they, where <laughs> she was like, I'm not pretty or talented, <laughs> but I try my best. <laughs> She was very, did you see her response to Mick? She was very gracious about it and took it in the spirit in which it was intended. Yes, that's, (laughs) she's, from all accounts, and I think you saw that from women, especially the women, but really every, wrestlers in NXT, wrestlers in AEW, wrestlers in Japan, like, people adore Nikki Cross, the human being, and everyone seemed very happy that she won. Yes, good times, good for her. Uh, Bill Goldberg came back on Raw. And he's going to challenge Lashley. It could be a fun ninety seconds or so. Yeah, uh, that that return was set up uh, by another return. Uh, that that being the return of Keith <laughs> Lee after eight months off of television, uh, and he came back in his hometown. Uh, and or not his hometown, but I believe he lives there now or lived there for a long time, whatever. But because I, I think everybody lives in Florida, I don't think he still lives in Texas. But um, few people live in Texas because um, it's also a state with no state income tax, so it's possible that I, th- I think he lives in Florida also. But yeah, anyway, regardless. But regardless, they brought him out. He got a nice reaction. Uh, it's, it was interesting to see guys who debuted during the Thunderdome era, like mm-hmm. what kind of reaction they got on television. Mm-hmm. Um, he got a nice reaction. And then he and Bob Lashley had a, well, they had a match um, and Bob Lashley pinned him and he rolled out of the ring and they hit big bills music. Yeah, that's what they did. So you know, that, does that bring us to the the <laughs> Raw versus NXT portion of the program? Well, we should mention too the NXT champion Karrion Cross debuted uh, on WWE Raw. He's wrestled on main event uh, in the last month or so, but this was his Raw debut, and he wrestled Jeff Hardy and lost to him. <laughs> so. Does Vince now hate his son-in-law or view Triple H and NXT the way he viewed Shane for many years? <laughs> I mean, let's be clear. He still views Shane that way. That hasn't changed. But he might also view Hunter in that light now, yes. Uh, that's that. So, yeah, it was funny because, okay, Karrion Cross debuted. Jeff Hardy comes out. He's got his old uh, singles babyface music. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And like, I went to tweet about how it was nice to hear Jeff Hardy (laughs) uh, has his old music and hey, what a nice reaction Jeff got coming out. And then like, by the time I hit send on that tweet, I looked up and Jeff Hardy was pinning the NXT champion. (laughs) And it's, it's amazing because it was real, it was real classic stuff where he comes out they, they, as Adam Cole said on NXT television recently, you take away the music and the girl, and what do you have <laughs> with Karrion Cross? Well, here's what you have. You have a guy who stands in the ring in a little skirt, and he makes mean faces. And uh, Corey Graves talks about he, how, uh, his, uh, how high his levels of distrusity are or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, and then he lost... 
And then they had him cut a promo where he's like, grr, there's more where that came from. (laughs) It was so funny. And it was that, by the way, and this is, this is a, this is a tip for like Sam Roberts and Rosenberg and all those guys. (laughs) The way to defend this is not to go, well, this was actually good storytelling because it wasn't, it was bad. It was dumb, but it was so funny and such a clear, like Vince hates NXT and sees no value in it moment. That's how you defend it. You defend it as being Vince marking his territory and going, I see NXT the same way I saw OVW. (laughs) Like, that's how you defend this. This was a clear territory marking move by Vince. Which is bizarre, given he owns all of it. (laughs) (laughs) And that, like, you know, it's the second highest rated show on USA Network every week, so... It's not like it's a public access show in Louisville, Kentucky, or or you know Florida somewhere. Yeah, it is slightly more high profile than Florida Championship Wrestling or or Rick Rogers OVW, Danny Davis's OVW. But yes, um, so they and then they had to uh, reshoot a <laughs> carrying across segment on NXT this week. Uh, they're bolt they're bolt taped some shows and they had to reshoot one uh scene with cross because uh the crowd was chanting hardy hardy at him <laughs> like he's wrestling samoa joe now for the title and for the nxt title at the next takeover so god bless him maybe a good to see joe can still wrestle that's mm-hmm. nice Mm-hmm. B, maybe he'll uh, maybe he'll get. We were debating on the show last week, like maybe they decided not to bring up carrying Cross and Bronson Reed, given they had all those people work dark matches, and we'd already seen um, Shotzi and Knox debut, and they gave Tony Storm two weeks of video packages, and she mm-hmm. debuts this week. And we had not yet seen Carrying Cross or Bronson Reed. And then we got a video package just in the middle of Raw on Monday saying Carrying uh, Cross is debuting tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that answers that question. But how much how much stock do you put in the Vince is disappointed in Paul for losing a ratings or th- fan fiction or theory or I mean, you've stated that you think it's very much Vince marking his territory. Yes. But how serious is this? I mean, do I think Vince hates Paul because they didn't kill AEW? Maybe not. (laughs) Specifically for that. But if you look at the history of NXT, what it was when it started, not the game show NXT, but NXT as it is now, the full sale NXT on, it was a developmental show. And then like 2014, 2015, they were getting a little nervous about Ring of Honor. So they started signing every independent wrestler. And then like 2016, 2015, 2016, World of Sport got a pilot in the UK. So they signed a bunch of UK wrestlers. Right. And then New Japan started making inroads into the country in 2017, 2018. So NXT signed even more guys. And then AEW starts up in 2019. So they sign more guys. They put them head to head. And all, every in every step of the way where NXT was used to like counteract the, the biggest non-WWE promotion in, in, in the US, it didn't do that. <laughs> like Ring of Honor fell off when, you know, when New Japan decided to sort of come directly into the country. And then New Japan fell off when the elite left and started their own company. And so it's like, as far as, so yeah, maybe he looks at it as well. He didn't get the job done in stopping a number two from getting started. So now it's back to it just being developmental. (laughs) Like it might, it may not be, he's mad about it, but it might be like, well, we gave him the shot to be the third brand and he couldn't get it done and he couldn't, he couldn't hamper the growth of the people we were trying to keep from growing. So now it's now he's, he's FCW. 
really, if Vince had given Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega $3 million a year each, <laughs> couldn't he have accomplished the same thing that he wanted Paul to do? <laughs> Probably. I mean, that's, I mean, Jericho has been pretty honest about how his last few times he didn't like working in WWE as much because he wasn't dealing with Vince. He was dealing with Hunter. Right. And that, you know, Hunter laughed when Hunt, he asked Hunter, he, the first time he did the, the cruise, he wanted NXT guys on the show and Hunter laughed him off. Right. And, and so it's like, yeah, I think there is something to that, but yeah, if he had signed, if he had signed Jericho or given Jericho enough money to not leave. And if he had given Kenny enough money to come, then yeah, it think that probably would have been it probably would have been cheaper <laughs> in the long run than signing 400 indie wrestlers that and none of which were Vince what Vincent Mann thinks a wrestler should be. So right, yeah, he went to the performance center. He looked around and he went, "This what like what are we doing?" And like I, we have all these guys. I don't like any of them, and it didn't even actually do the thing it was supposed to do, which is stop. Uh, you know, a viable number two product from getting a TV deal in the U.S. Right. He's looking around and he's seeing Coach Albert leading, <laughs> leading a class in jumping jacks. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, what? what? What is this? But apparently he and Nick Khan did see, okay, the one thing we do have here is we have a wealth of women's talent that and we have very thin women's rosters on the main roster so let's call up some women and then they're doing the idea that i said i hope i said it on the show i definitely said it to you privately yes they need to do a queen of the ring <laughs> this year think of all the tv time you could just fill with just queen of the ring matches you fill an hour every week and by God, they're doing a Queen of the Ring tournament. That's right. I got a little worried when I saw just a WWE graphic with a big Q on it, but it's not. It's not a. <laughs> it's not a Bobby Fish led stable. It's it's just a. It's just the, the Queen of the Ring logo. But Drake, Drake Quartz has not been rehired. No, not now. So that's uh, that was uh, that was crisis averted on that one. But yeah, that's that's a good idea. We talked about that. We talked about how even though it was just this weird Facebook show, like how good the mix max challenge generally was. Yes. Cause it was like a thing to do on television that felt kind of special every week. Yes. So I'm all for that. Anything that if you, if you were going to do, you were going to do some of these matches anyway to fill time, at least you're doing them to fill time and they have a little bit of meaning behind them. You can just do random matches on television, but put them in a tournament and they actually mean <laughs> a little bit. That's Yes. That's that's making you know le lemonade out of lemons with you know you don't really have to work that much harder, uh, but yeah you get to do theoretically and also theoretically get to go, do new matches matches that we don't see every single week on television. They still need to scrap all the tag team titles and do uh, an, a a uh, mixed mixed tag uh, title instead. That's what I would do. Yeah, that would be fine. And again, it's not like you don't have the talent to do it. Right. Okay. Anything else, WWE, you want to touch on before we hit New Japan very quickly and then get out of here? No, I think that's that that about covers it. Uh, Raw was the best Raw in the last 10 years because of Goldberg <laughs> and and the Karrion Cross thing. I, I <laughs> the best is it was the best uh, debut since the Shockmaster. But your thing is, you don't want it. If it's not good, you at least want it to be funny. Exactly. That is, <laughs> that's all I want. And they gave me that in spades this week. Reg, uh, Reggie won the 24 7 title, by the that's way. That's right. That's right. <laughs> My and Vince McMahon's favorite <laughs> WWE performer, Reginald, is the 24 7 champion. <laughs> I thought. When he uh, when they did the angle where they broke him up with uh, the Nia and Shayna, I thought, oh boy, that's not good. Vince has lost, has lost his his taste for Reginald. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, by God, they put the twenty four seven title on him five minutes later. So good for him. That's right. That's uh, you know I, I would be worried if I were our truth though, because you know there's only room oh. in Vince's heart for one of them. Oh. 
it's problematic, but yes. Uh, Velveteen Dream was very briefly booked for an indie show and then taken off of it. I don't really want to spend a whole lot of time on Velveteen Dream, but still canceled. Yep. Hope and... it transfers to hell. Yes, yes. And New Japan is running four shows in 72 hours, and I'm on my deathbed because of it. So <laughs> Kota Ibushi, as we record this, still not pulled from the Tokyo Dome show on Sunday, but he's been pulled from every show but the Tokyo Dome show on Sunday that he's scheduled to main event as he challenges for the world title in New Japan, and he got pneumonia. So, yikes. The most snake-bitten company. <laughs> Uh, in in all of pro wrestling is New Japan. I mean, and again, part of this is the insistence on running 40,000 arena shows in the middle of a pandemic. Not everything is, you know, unavoidable that's yes. happened in New Japan. But then something like this happens uh, and you're like, wow, that's... he. It's not even COVID. Or, uh, you know, it was originally reported that it was a reaction to his COVID shots. And... Apparently it's not that either. Yes, he has he has pneumonia. So even though he is now inoculated from the deadly pandemic virus, he found another way to get sick and and possibly miss their biggest show of the year. That's 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 unlucky. Yeah. You you had pneumonia a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, it was terrible. It was <laughs> uh there was a couple there was like there was a moment when I had pneumonia. I had pneumonia and bronchitis at the same time. Awesome. Uh, because I just had pneumonia and then I didn't go to the doctor for about two weeks. So I didn't know I had pneumonia. And then I finally went, she's like, yeah, you have pneumonia. And I think you have bronchitis. Uh, <laughs> there was a day when I had pneumonia, I was coughing so much. I couldn't breathe. And I literally thought I was going to maybe die or pass out because I, I genuinely could not stop coughing long enough to take a breath. So it is, it is not, I, so that was me sitting at standing in my bathroom at the time I was not, I was not trying to wrestle in front of, you know, 10,000 people or whatever. So I can't imagine trying to do anything physical or strenuous while having that sickness. It's, it's no bueno. Well, best wishes to him. Yes. <laughs> it's the moral of the story and maybe don't run four shows in 72 hours because it's horrible idea. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else? No, I think that's uh, we have covered quite a bit of ground this week. As the show says, we had a lot to talk about. Yep. All right. Uh, so until next time, everybody, I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. We'll be back soon with more stories from the wrestling life. Adios. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Now, here are this week's bonus features. Well, everyone has pneumonia. <laughs> We're all going to die. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs> On that cherry note. <laughs> That's all, folks. The Reaper is knocking at your door. Say your prayers. It's a one. Don't forget my son. <laughs> to include everyone. <laughs> I try to keep on keeping on.